Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast. This is the podcast that will teach you to take your Shopify store and turn it into a business-growing sales machine. It has the latest marketing, email, sales, SEO, and social media advice, and also has strategies and tips from the experts without fluff. Your host is Nick Truman. He's a Shopify expert and an education partner with the Shopify-approved course, 1,000 Sales and Beyond. He's the CEO of JustAskParker.com, a global specialist marketing agency for Shopify owners. Nick has over 13 years experience in digital marketing from PPC and SEO through to digital transformation of businesses. He's helped hundreds of brands from startup Shopify stores through to international enterprises that operate in hundreds of countries. Nick will be sharing his knowledge and interview the experts to help you in your journey to success. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Now, here's your host, Nick Truman. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Winning with Shopify podcast. If it's the first time you've dropped here or you haven't been listening for a while, you may have noticed that Caroline's voice has changed. This is Nick. I've uh, come into Just Ask Parker as a CEO and taken over hosting the podcast as a result of that. You are all very welcome to subscribe, to check out all the other previous episodes. We generally find that in most episodes, we reference previous episodes as well. And we release a new episode every Friday. So if you haven't tuned in before, it's the first time you've found us or it's been a while, please hit the subscribe button and make sure that you check us out every single Friday to see what the latest podcast episode is. I do apologize if I sound a little bit rusty today. The previous series that we did with Bright Pearl, which has just finished last week, actually finished about six or seven weeks ago to me because we recorded them all in advance. So this is the first time I've hit the record button in a little while. So apologies if I sound a little bit rusty, but uh, it's great to be back. I hope everybody is well. We are recording this the same week it's being posted as well. And I can confirm the UK is in another lockdown. The US, I think, nearly has a new president now as well. He's pretty much in office. But I hope everybody's well with everything going on around the place. Today, we are kicking off a new series, which I'm incredibly excited about. And I've got a very special guest who I'll introduce in a second. This new series is going to be around PPC advertising, so pay-per-click. We're going to cover a range of topics in this series. We're aiming for around four episodes If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you'll know that when we aim for four episodes, we end up with at least five, sometimes seven or eight. So we'll try and keep it as short as possible. But we're going to be talking about Google Ads today. We're going to be talking about Google Shopping next week. And then in the following weeks after that, I've just about lined up and secured a couple of guests, a few people back we've had previously to talk about Facebook advertising, Instagram advertising, etc., and a whole range of other PPC channels. And I've just had a coffee, which is why I'm speaking so quickly. But without further ado, I would love to introduce my guest. Her name is Pamela, and she's an absolute expert at PPC, especially Google advertising. Pamela, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Nick. I'm excited. Good. Well, that's good to hear. Again, I'm slightly rusty, and I feel like I need to keep reminding people that in case I make make some sort of mistake. But um, Pamela, do you want to start off? Tell us a bit about yourself and tell us about your business, your background, and, and what led you to, uh, to becoming an expert in Google advertising. Sure. So none of this was ever planned in my life, and it was not one of those things I'd be like, in five years, I want to do this, right? Sure. So after my master's, I, I joined Google, which was with some push of some of my mentors because I myself would have never thought you know, that would ever happen. And um, had a great time there, learned a lot. And then once I left the company... I I started to take on the first project myself, and I didn't really know if the skills that I had acquired were of much value. But people started to to really like my work, and then so shortly, like just a couple of months after I left Google, I made more money in a month than I'd made at Google. 
So I was like, hey, let me create my own company and let's make this official. So that point was actually already about five years ago. So since five years now, I've been running my own boutique ads agency where we help six and seven figure businesses grow through Google and Facebook ads pretty much all over the world. Our clients are as location independent as as we are. And other than that, I, I also teach paid ads. So Google Ads Analytics at universities in Vienna, Boston and London. So Pamela, that sounds like a huge range of places. You must spend most of your life on airplanes, constantly traveling between certainly the US and, and Europe. Yeah, I mean, I've been to 80 countries all around the world so far. Wow. And I mean, there's lots of exciting places to see. And I just really believe in, in discovering other cultures and, and understanding how people really are. Because on the news, you don't really see the real picture. Yeah, definitely. And I think bringing it back to Google Ads, what a universal language. Like there's so many different people in different countries using the same Shopify system, Google Ads, um, you know, whatever platforms they're using, but the same systems all around the world, but catering for different audiences, working and navigating different laws around how deliveries and payments work. You know, the internet is such a widespread yet close-knit community now, isn't it? Absolutely. And I mean, you know, you can apply it wherever you are. Definitely. Right. Let's dive into talking about Google Ads then. So today we're going to talk about Google Ads. We'll probably briefly touch on shopping as we were talking just before we hit the record button. We are doing next week's episode on Google Shopping. So we'll probably talk about it a little bit, but not a lot. Next week is going to be a sort of Google Shopping 101 for everybody uh, to be aware of. But Pamela, do you want to start off by telling us about the main place in Google Ads that e-com businesses should start? So the main places that they should start advertising or channels through Google they should start thinking about from from day one. So like a new business looking to advertise. Sure. So if you're out and you're a smaller business, then I would actually recommend you to start outside of Google Ads before you, you get started with the first campaigns. And I'll get into that in a second of why. One place I always recommend new companies and newer companies to go with lower revenue is to check out the page speed insights tool, right? Is your website actually performing? Because a lot of companies and a lot of e-commerce businesses make the mistake that they throw money at ads before they've even optimized their website. So once you've that done, right? Once you really have invested in your website and it works well on mobile and you, you got a smooth checkout process and then you're ready for Google ads, then I would actually recommend you to start off with Give a typical search and I got to mention it, shopping campaign a try, right? <laughs> yep. There's also YouTube for shopping. So you can use YouTube video ads with, with a shopping element to it and really make sure that you're tracking everything right from the beginning. Not Don't use like the Google ads remarketing tag. Use the, the Google analytics tag because you have much more options there and you don't need two different tags. So really make sure you're tracking everything because if you don't, Again, you're just going to feel like you're throwing out money. Sure. And for some of our listeners that are quite new to Google Ads, what is a tag? What is it and how does it work? Yeah, so the tag is like a piece of code that gets implemented in the website and that you can then use to track how much time people spend on certain pages, how many pages they visit when they're on your website, maybe why they're hopping off at certain points, right? Or why they're not going from the checkout process to then completing the purchase, actually. Sure. And I think using the tag, you can then start using things like retargeting, can't you? Or lookalike audiences. Or for example, if somebody's put loads of things in their cart, but they haven't got as far as an abandoned cart email, you can start advertising to them. 
So you can say, hey, you're interested in this product. Why don't you? In fact, we've all probably seen ads that say complete your purchase today or finish your, your purchase. Your product is still waiting for you in the cart. Just click this ad. One thing I love about Shopify is Shopify makes some of that sort of stuff quite easy, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I think, about only 2 or 3% of visitors on a website take really the action you want them to take. So like make a conversion, make a purchase, right? So what are you going to do with like all the other 97%, right? Like how are you going to bring them back to your website? And this is really where retargeting or remarketing is key. And to somebody who's just starting out, do you think retargeting is something they should consider on day one? I think you sort of mentioned this a little bit earlier anyway, but when they're starting out, there's obviously lots of options. And do you think retargeting should be part of that mix? Or do you think you should just target what we would call net new? So just completely new users that are looking for products. You can't really use retargeting from day one because you just need to, you need to set up that, that code on your website needs to start collecting cookies and users, right? So you need to give it some time to populate that list and then also make sure that list is big enough. And so in terms of big enough, if we're talking numbers, in order to retarget people in search, you need a thousand cookies at least. And for display, you need a minimum of a hundred cookies. So yeah, if, if somebody has no traffic at the moment and no sales, that's probably the first goal, isn't it? Let's get some sales in, get some people on the website. Yes. I guess at the same time, if you install that tag, the retargeting tag from Google Ads or, or the Google Analytics one, if you install that on day one, it will start recording and remembering who's been on your site. Just, just, just so everyone's clear as well. From a data protection point of view, you can't see those users. It's not like logging into HubSpot or something or into your the customer section of Shopify and seeing all their names. And it's all anonymized at this stage. It's on Google's system, but Google will tell you how many people are in that audience, you know, how big that library is starting to become. But yeah, certainly I think no reason why you wouldn't start, but even if you never used it, for the sake of copy and pasting a piece of code in, you may as well start building those audiences and having a look at, well, how could we use those in the future? So going back to what we were saying earlier, the first channel, we we both, we've sort of said this before we hit record, we're both pretty agreed that Google Shopping is the best place for people to start. And we're going to talk about that next week. But what is the second best channel in your opinion? Or is there a channel within Google that you would also recommend people try from day one? We would always set up a search campaign and a shopping campaign because if you actually set up both, then you have the chance to appear twice in the ads results on Google. Sure. And that's really rare because there is no other kind of like medium where you can have two ads of the same product at the same time. So next to shopping, always a very well done search campaign and both are going to be conversion drivers. Sure. And so again, just for, I'm going to keep playing devil's advocate here and asking you very simple questions that <laughs> I know the answer to, but I, I want to prize it out because I think there'll be people listening that are like, I've never used Google before. Mm. What do you mean by a search campaign? So a search campaign basically enables you to show the ads of your product above the organic search results in Google. So in the search engine, let's say you're looking for blue shoes for your prom and you literally type that in in Google then most likely the first results that you're going to see are images with prices. Those are the shopping ads. And then below that, you're going to see text search results that look almost like the organic results, but they have a little symbol in front of it that says ad. And this is a search campaign, or this is what you set up with a search campaign. And just, just to reference an episode we did a while ago on SEO, which is something that both of us know quite a lot about as well. Episode one of our SEO series back in, and this is testing my memory, August, September, I think it was. Episode one was with a chap called Chris Lars. He's a good friend of mine, and we were talking about keywords. 
Now, Google Ads essentially is the way of skipping the queue in terms of SEO, waiting for your site to be optimized, waiting for it to come up. If you use Google Ads, you can use probably a lot of that same data that you've collected in terms of your keyword list for SEO. You can start using that in what Pamela's talking about here as a, as a search campaign, which then means if somebody, as she said, types in blue prom shoes, you get those images that pop up, which is the Google shopping, and then underneath that, you get these ads. Now, one of the reasons that I absolutely love Google search and why we recommend it over other things to companies, especially when they start, is that just by what they've typed in, and again, we spoke about this in the SEO podcast, just by what they've typed in, their search term or your keywords in your Google Ads account, you can learn so much about them. So just by the fact they've typed in blue prom shoes, we know they're going to the prom. We know that she's probably also got a blue dress if she's going for blue shoes or something that's going to accent that. I should say it's 2020, nearly 2021. So I shouldn't really say she, I should say they. But yeah, whoever's typing this in, we know quite a bit about them already. So then how should we use that information, Pamela, in terms of how we write those text adverts, so the adverts that pop up at the top on search? Absolutely. So I think where it starts off is not just using the right type of keywords, but also the the right settings, right? Because a lot of people take over a whole list of keywords from SEO, and that's actually really not what you need because there's probably way too many keywords on that list. You just need a simple form of that. And then once you've had your campaigns run for a bit, I mean, you get this data from day one, right? But like you need to let it run to to get some more data that's actually providing you actionable insights. You can use something like the search terms report to see what other queries people are using for when your ad is actually showing up. So for example, it might be that then in your search terms report, you see people looking for blue prom shoes, size 38 a lot, right? Or size eight or 10. And if you see there's a lot of keywords with that, you can then, of course, implement those keywords in your ads again, and you can refine your ads. And with that, your click-through rate improves. And of course, if you offer that product, then ideally also your conversion rate should increase. Sure. And I think one of the interesting things you mentioned there was the search terms report. I and a lot of our team here in London, we do PPC as well, probably the same as you. We spend so much of our lives in that search terms report, because as you say, you can see the exact things people have typed in. And now something I want to reference here as well is once you've got that information of what people are actually typing in to trigger your keywords and trigger your adverts to appear, once you've got that data, you can make quite a lot of changes with that. So everybody in this day and age is data hungry. What people are not so good at in this day and age is doing something with the data. So you've just mentioned sizes, Pamela. A few things, you know, the actual uh, advertiser could do with that is look at the way the site works and say, well, actually, do we want to have a whole set of categories on our website, which are shop by size? If we sell lots of shoes, why don't we have a size chooser? There's definitely some SEO opportunities around that as well. We gave some good examples, again, in the SEO podcast about what to do with the information that you get and how to structure your site and essentially creating lots of different ways of shopping. But what you also don't want to do is you don't want to have somebody typing in size five blue prom dress shoes, land on your page and then have to go through and choose the color blue and choose the size five when we already know that that's what they were looking for. So there might be some things you can do to your website to give a better user experience. And that could be anything from creating you know, multiple versions of the product, creating multiple categories to shop, or you could do something very, very clever with your ads to ads. And I won't get into this in too much detail because it's really complicated, but you can tag your ads, can't you? So you could add some sort of tag 
that when they arrive on the site, it's predefined that filter because the number five was used in the actual keyword or the or, or in the search term itself. How much should we talk about that today? Because I think we could get very, very complicated very quickly and confuse a lot of people. But there are lots of good guides out there that, that can do that sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. There's a lot of different things that you can do in order to really improve the user's experience. So in the end, like, yes, Google Ads is about putting up ads about your product, but it's really a, a reiteration process you are starting there on a constant improvement process of your website, of the customer journey. So just know that with every ad, with every campaign you put up, it doesn't just mean that sales are going to come in, but you're going to get feedback for your website that then, of course, also means additional homework for you, but improvement, valuable data, and hopefully an increase in sales. Yeah, definitely. And I think, as you say, data and feedback is the absolute key. I think what you'd rather do on PPC is quickly find out what doesn't work and stop doing it than spend less money and sort of keep dipping your toes in and out and just never get a result or get enough conclusive data to make any decisions. So I think there is always, you know, it generally comes down to click cost, but there's always a kind of minimum amount you should probably invest into this channel um, to get this channel right, I think. Let's talk a little bit about some of the technicals of Google Ads then. So somebody's gone on ads.google.com, they've set up an account, um, so they now have an account. What are the sort of different levels underneath accounts? Like what are some of the things that they're going to have to set up to get their first advert live? So the basic account structure is that you have an account under which you have a lot of different campaigns. And then a campaign is usually structured into ad groups, which then contain different ads. Now, of course, within ad groups, you can set up several ads, you can set up several keywords, and you group in search campaigns, you usually group similar keywords into the same ad group. So that, for example, if we take the blue prom shoes, then I see the ad for blue prom shoes. But if you're offering the red sports shoes, then that would go into a different ad group so that I would actually see the right ad for that too. Now, if you have a big site with a lot of content, for your store, then the actual shortcut that we would recommend is a dynamic search campaign, because then you actually save all the setup of the keywords. And you also save quite some time on on creating the ads. And that brings often, if not the same, but usually better results than search campaigns. But again, you have to have really a good amount of content on your site. Sure. And I think on the topic of dynamic search campaigns, there's quite a lot of automation you can start to do, isn't there? You can automate how much you bid per keyword. You can ask Google to start doing that based on conversion rates or which adverts to push more than others. So I think once you've got a campaign working to the point where you want it to, you know, it's getting you the result you want or it's costing the main thing that we're looking for on PPC is has got to be revenue versus spend, isn't it? It's how much have we spent and how much money have we made, especially in e-commerce in lead gen and things like that, it's, it's much, much harder, but we're not talking about that here. We're talking about e-commerce. We're talking about Shopify and it's always got to be about revenue and spend. And I think once you get to a, a point where you can prove that your revenue is so much significantly higher than your spend, then you can start to automate some of those functions, can't you? You can set automatic bidding, enhance CPC if you want. You can set a CPA target, so cost per acquisition. So that'll say we only want to spend maybe $15 per new customer and stuff like that. So there is quite a lot of automation built into the platform. Is there any automation you would recommend that people avoid when they're managing their campaigns? So, I mean, quite some people make the mistake that it would start off with like cost per acquisition targeting and so on. It's because 
the thing is, if you start with it, you don't really have any data yet that the system can optimize. So it might actually lead to wrong data. Sure. In general, what we recommend is to start off with manual CPC and, and enhanced CPC. So, so to have that run from the beginning, because then Google is going to consider it automatically when you have a sufficient amount of conversions. And then you switch to maximize clicks and then maximize conversions, depending on how much data you have available. Sure. I would second that advice. I think it's a very, very good place to start. Let's talk quickly. I mentioned about revenue versus spend. What kind of tracking do people need to set up? In terms of tracking, really, if you're just getting started, Google Analytics, sure. that's enough. If you just implement the Google Analytics code on your website, you're already well set up to, to get that first data from which you can draw conclusions especially if you're just starting off with everything, because you're going to see that Google Analytics itself can be very confusing. Sure. And I think the one thing you also want to make sure you've got in Google Analytics is the e-commerce tracking, isn't it? Yeah. So it's an additional amount of functionality. But if you're on Shopify, Shopify actually have a guide on how to set this up built into the Shopify system. So if you go into Google and just search in, you know, something like Shopify setup, um, Google Analytics, there's a really good guide on the Shopify site, but also within the system, if you go to the right place where you put in, it's literally called a UA number where you put that in. And it will also then tell you to go and turn the e-commerce button on in Google Analytics. And what it will do is Shopify then will automatically feedback data like the actual revenue that came through each transaction, the products they bought, how many transactions there have been, how many times they visited the site before making a purchase. Which leads me on nicely to another question. And I know we've gone miles out of the questions that we initially discussed we were going to go through, Um, partly because I think this is great. But my next question really is, it's around attribution. Firstly, what is attribution? And secondly, on a Shopify site or an e-commerce site, what are some of the normal things that people need to be aware of when attributing revenue to the channels that it came from or the specific campaigns? Sure. So attribution is basically you being able to tell which part of the contacts that a customer had with your website um, led had, had which impact in the purchase. So for example, they could have first found your website on Instagram, right? They were browsing and then they went to like the mobile version of the website, checked a bit around, went off again. And then like a week later, they're looking in, in Google, Google for the product that you have. And then they click on a Google ad, right? So that would then be the second interaction. So there's different models of attribution, but I think I'm going to spare people here with the details because that's yeah, well, I was just thinking we could do a whole episode on this. Maybe we should at some point. Yeah. You know, if you'd like that, then please drop us a note and I'll uh, I'll organize something. But yeah, so now we understand attribution and what it is and attributing revenue to certain channels. What are some of the things as a Shopify store owner, some of the things you should be aware of or thinking about when attributing your sales and your revenue to specific channels or even specific campaigns, adverts, keywords, etc.? What you will probably see a good amount of time is that in Google Analytics, you'll have a good amount of direct traffic. So people making purchases when they type in your website. So direct traffic means I type in e-commerce.com and then I buy something, right? But a lot of times that would not have been the first touch point of the customer because when they don't know you yet, how could they put in a URL? So yeah, you're going to face some discrepancy in terms of what the actual first touch point of the customer was versus where they then really made the purchase. Sure. And I think that's one of the dangers that we have 
quite often with particular campaigns, you sort of, I'll give you a scenario actually where this was really evident. It wasn't e-commerce. It was in a, a lead gen website. So it's a website we were advertising and people coming onto the site and then lots of people were then filling out a form saying, yes, I would like a quote for this service that your company provides. They had next to no traffic on the site. I think they had about 20 conversions a week, so 20 inquiries or quote requests per week. We turned PPC on and it went up to 120 per week pretty quickly. When we checked the data and we looked in Google Analytics and we checked in Google Ads because we had connected the two together. So Google Ads was also saying these keywords, these ads have made a conversion or made some sort of quote request. When we checked that, only about 30 or 40 inquiries in that first week or you know per week were actually attributed to PPC. And of course, we're all scratching our heads going, well, there's clearly a tracking problem. And the result was there wasn't a tracking problem. Everybody was interpreting the data incorrectly. So then when we sort of sat down with the client, had a chat, we sort of said, well, look, what's happening is most people type in what they want in Google. So I want this particular service. They click on your website. They have a look around and think, oh, these guys are quite good. Then they go and have a look at five or, t- you know, five, 10 other sites. Then they go away and think about it for a bit or have a chat with them, um, you know, because it's their service involved coming into your home, into your house. So people would go away, have a chat with anybody else in the house. Do we want this service? Do we want these guys to do it? These are the options. And at that point, then they would come back to your site. And as you say, absolutely correct. We so often see it that people then come back direct to make the purchase. For example, we're a couple of weeks before Black Friday now, and I've got a, probably the same as everybody, I have a spreadsheet on my computer of all the stuff I'm going to plan to buy on Black Friday or before. So when I was looking for the stuff, I obviously went onto Google, used Google Shopping, did all my hunting around, that sort of stuff. You know, shall I buy that? Shall I buy that? What are the pricing options, the guarantee? How much are they? What do they come with? When will it be delivered, etc.? And then I'm now going back direct to about three or four sites every day to see if they start Black Friday early. So I'm, when I purchase, I will be a direct purchase. But then the danger is, and this is the really important message here, the danger is if you take that data, take it at a face value and take it completely as it is, you'll turn PPC off because the data says it's not working. And then you'll lose all those customers, all those sales, all those inquiries, because you've now turned it off completely. And then you'll be scratching your head even more going, well, hang on a minute, I did PPC and that failed. I've turned it off and now I've lost everything, not realizing what's really going on. So there's one thing in particular in my head that people can do about this. But what are your thoughts, Pamela? What's the, what's, the, what's the first place they should probably go and have a look just to kind of get a, at least a rough feel for what's going on? What is always quite a good indicator is looking at mobile versus desktop traffic. So a lot of times people would use mobile for like a first encounter with your brand, like when they're chatting with friends and they're like, oh, hey, I bought this and this. So they see something and, you know, it's nice. So where did you get that from? Check it out on mobile or Instagram, go to the website. But then they just make the purchase later, right? Maybe they sleep a night over it or they just check out some other stuff. Maybe they pass by a store even to check it out, right? So a lot of times people would see stuff and then pass by a store, see if it's cheaper there, try it on, and then order it later, and then maybe on desktop, right? So then you'd see maybe mobile because you're spending money on ads, and but maybe people are not purchasing, but then the purchases are happening on desktop. So in that situation, what you could do, for example, is focus on generating that mobile traffic and then retarget them later on desktop. So that when they're in that moment of purchase, you actually really capture them when you're the first one there. Sure. And I think that's an example of a really good use of retargeting. 
But again, back to your earlier point, you can't do that until you've done the first. You know, it's a, this is not a chicken and egg scenario. This is a, you know, you've got to have step one to have step two. It's like you've got to build the foundations before you can build the house kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, I completely agree. And I think it, I will say we use this phrase regularly in all podcasts. It depends on your business because some businesses, like if I need a cab yeah. or a taxi, I'm not going to do some research, sleep on it and come back. Lots of things I purchased online I would, but if I need a cab, I'm going to go on Google and just type in taxi and then the town that I'm currently in right now, or I'm going to go on Uber or something and just order one. So actually my my journey at that point might just be typing Uber into Google or just hitting the first SEO listing. But again, rewinding the clock, how did I find Uber in the first place would be very, very different. I might not have booked a cab on the first day, but I might have created an account. So I think that's really important. There's two things I want to share as well. One's quite specific to Shopify that I think can be quite useful. The first one on Shopify is if you look at your, if you go onto a particular order that you've received, on that order, it will tell you what channels that customer has used to come to your site. Obviously, if they've changed devices and they were logged in under something else, if I do some research on my mobile phone on the train home from work, and then I buy something on my fiance's computer at night, it's going to register as her and it won't, the site probably won't connect the dots. But more often than not, Shopify is getting very, very smart at this. So if they've bought and their first journey was based on coming in from Google Shopping or or from Google Search, it will often say UTM on it, which is a unique tracking. I can't remember what the M stands for, but they're they're, they're essentially tracking codes. And it will say that and it will tell you that was Google Ads that drove that first visit. And it will also then tell you what channel they came through to purchase. So it will say, you know, as Pamela says, if it's direct or if it's SEO they've used, they've typed your brand's name into Google, clicked on the first listing, and that's SEO. So it will say that the first touch point was uh, PPC through Google Ads. Second touch point was, uh, was SEO through Google Organic. The other thing to look at as well, and this is a feature that's, it was about two or three years ago, this feature was rubbish. It rarely worked. But now it works almost all the time, we found. And it's if you go into Google Analytics and you go into e-commerce, you can then have a look at the, it's called multi-journey conversion. And the data in there is getting better and better as time goes on. And Google learns more about who's got what devices and who does what on the internet. So I definitely recommend having a look in there because that will give you a nice color-coded outline of how people bought a product. And it will also tell you if somebody's used Google Ads, for example, five times, it will say paid search times five, which means they've clicked on your ads five times before they made a purchase. So again, it's it's, it's not a bulletproof report and it doesn't give you um, as much information as you might like. But I also think the point which Pamela said is attribution can get so complicated. So I would be very careful about kind of entering into this. One of my friends works at ASOS and I asked him about attribution one night when I was interviewing him at an event. And he said, oh, don't go there. We gave up. So if ASOS are giving up, not giving up necessarily, but he said, we just went with averages. We've got an average cost per acquisition there. 40% of our customers click on ads to come back in, et cetera. And they went with a bit of an average, which uh, I thought was quite amusing because uh, generally speaking, we would generally find that everybody wants to know every single piece of data and ASOS is normally the holy grail, you know, the place to go. But yeah, attribution is a whole another world, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. There's so much you can do with ads and get to a really solid level of return of ad spend before even considering anything around attribution. And I think it's a good point. Let's, let's go outside of Google search now. Let's talk about some of the other channels briefly. And I say briefly because we've both agreed that Google Shopping and Google Search are the two places that people should start because everybody typing stuff into Google has buying intent and they're shopping 
right now. But let's just quickly skim over some of the other platforms. So Google Display, what's that? How does it work? Why should we be interested? So yeah, I mean, Display is part of Google Ads. So it's for branding. It's mostly there for branding. You really want to make sure that you start popping up early in your customer's journey. So when they're still in an interest stage or in a consideration stage. Now, while you might not see immediate purchases or a lot of conversions from Display, it is an important branding tool. You got to consider that 95% of what we do during any day is subconscious. A lot of times we see information that we actually don't realize we are seeing. So you can imagine this is like you're driving home from work and then you wonder suddenly how you got home. And this was literally your subconsciousness working for you. So you want to provide the information that when people are feeling that they're actively making a choice, that you are on the forefront of them making a choice. So this is, for example, where display comes in, where Gmail comes in and YouTube, for example. Sure. Those are the next ones I was going to ask about as well. And, and just so everybody's clear, display advertising is where you, it's generally image-based. It can be text advert-based. Um, you generally upload some images and then they appear on third-party websites, don't they? So like on news websites, forums. And as you say, is the subconscious working? I think that's a really good way of describing it. Kind of, you know, I'm just minding my own business around the web, but I'm constantly being reminded of particular brands that are interested in having me as a customer. What's interesting is a lot of people on surveys and in feedback forms, a lot of people say that they don't, they don't like these ads that kind of follow me around the web or you know, I'm trying to read the news and this thing's trying to sell a product to me and I'm not so interested. But I think this is where, and I say this a lot, that marketing has been lost from digital marketing. We've got to think like marketeers first and then get the technology to do the hard work for us. So what we need to do is come up with a, what's our brand about? What's the leading message? You know, what's our brand, our campaign, as I sometimes call it? So not specifically a Google campaign, but come up with something to say, we are an eco-friendly company that only make things from recycled materials. Or we are a clothing brand who give lifetime guarantee on all products. And that's a particular brand I've started shopping with recently. If, if you see that message and you've got the targeting right to the customer, the customer who sees that as they're just generally browsing the web, that's a good thing. To the wrong customer, it's a bad thing. So that's where targeting is really important. But I think certainly on display more than ever, somebody's not typing into Google what they're looking for right now. So you're not just writing an advert to say, I've got the thing you want, come buy it and here's why. As Pamela says, it's branding. You want to educate to them over time. And therefore, I think that key message is, is absolutely fundamental to any success on YouTube, on display and all the different channels that then follow things like Google Mail ads, etc. Right. And, you know, I think, you know, because you mentioned like image ads before, like I want to take a little bit of like the fear away from someone who might consider this for the first time is like, there's also a type of ads, it's called responsive ads. So if you don't have the time to create image ads, right, use those responsive ads. So Google, ad, Google pretty much takes your website, chooses images from there, you put in some text, and then it makes it automatically fit, I think, 95% of the placements. And really, lots of times when we've tested responsive ads versus image ads, responsive ads ended up performing even a lot better than the image ads. And as you say, they're so much easier to create, aren't they? You upload an image put in some text and the job's done. Yeah. Or as we say in the UK, jobs are good. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's ready to go. Okay, the final question I've got for you, apart from a couple of sort of finish up questions about contacting you, etc. But the final one I've really got, maybe a couple of questions, but one's around lookalike audiences. Now, again, same questions as before. What is a lookalike audience? And 
how would somebody use it? What sort of channels would you generally use lookalike audiences on? So lookalike audience is a term by Facebook. Google calls it similar audiences. Mind you, you know, Google was there first and then the other platforms just trying to do it as well. So they can't be that obvious. They just always choose slightly different names, but it's the same concept. And what it is pretty much is that you, for example, upload an email list, right? And then you, you tell Google, please find, for example, the, the top, 1% of the closest people that mirror the profiles of those people on that email list. And that could be, for example, an email list of everybody who's purchased something with you, right? Sure. Or it could be a list of everyone who has put a product in the cart. And then you can say, okay, I'm going to target those those people who are similar or most similar to those and then find new audiences through that. Sure. And I think from, from my point of view, and I... When we first started experimenting with it, we were so excited. We were like, we could literally just, not, not just your purchases, but we, we initially used to start with going, let's just take your top 500 customers, as in the ones that have spent the most in the last year or last five years. And then we'll upload that list into, into Google and into Facebook. And then we'll run some ads to, like you say, the 1% that's the closest match to those people. But we had a complete mix of results. I think one of the things that we probably hadn't thought about enough, this is probably five years ago when they first launched this technology, but we again, we go back to what I just said, we didn't think enough about the actual message. We just went to town with our normal ads that said, like, we're selling this. There was no reason to actually click on it or be interested in, in what it was about. But then what we did is we did a lookalike audience campaign on, on Google and on Facebook, which sent people to an article in the press. It wasn't actually to our own website. So we sent them to this article and the article basically said, I took this kind of like beauty product and it completely changed my life and my skin cleared up. Everything was better because we sent people there. We then noticed that our direct and organic traffic on Google, because there was no link in the article, just the brand name. People then going on Google and searching the brand and going, I need this. I know who that person is. You know, it was a celebrity in the press and it was a really interesting mechanism. And of course, the owners of the business were like, do more. This is great. You know, this is exactly what we need. So we then had 10 articles were rolled out. And we, but again, we had mixed results. Some of those articles were really good. Some of them weren't. We targeted some on kind of like young men, older men, young women, older women. You know, we kind of split them up by age groups, that kind of thing. And some of them were really powerful and some of them weren't. But yeah, I think, again, you've got to remember that this is just the targeting option. We've still got to get that advert absolutely right in the middle. But yeah, generally, when you think about it, you're like, yeah, I'll just tell Google and Facebook my top 10% of customers, or these are all my customers, and it will just find more for me. But I think we've always got to remember that, that there's that marketing story that needs to be there, isn't there? Yeah. And what, what we usually like to do is mix it up with other audiences. So we narrow the audiences a bit. So either with like keywords or like yeah. in-market audiences. So or demographics or age or something. Yeah. 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 And then last couple of questions from me um, before we wrap it up. The first one is what resources are out there? Do you recommend any books? Have you written a book? Is there, and if you have, I didn't know that. I, I'm not trying to tee, tee you up for this. But yeah, are there any good resources out there, like good books, websites to check out? Obviously, it's the Google Ads Help Center. But is there anything out there you'd recommend if somebody was starting out or wanted to really, really kind of hone in on on, on the way PPC works? Where would you recommend they started their sort of research and learning? So... I cannot really recommend books confidently because a lot of times often when they get published, they're already outdated because it's literally those platforms are changing so quickly. The resources I like is, is just from Google Skillshare. So, so where you have all the, the Google ads courses and all of that. 
And what I really see helps a lot of people is they is if they get some sort of a coach or mentor. Hmm. Because a lot of times when people work in agencies or in companies, it's difficult for them to admit that they don't know something because then they fear they, they would face consequences from like their boss. Um, and then the boss can't admit either that they that they don't know something because, you know, they should know it, but they don't. So there's knowledge gap. But if you actually have someone that you can ask and, and talk to and, and review the campaigns, then that really helps and accelerates your learning process. Sure. We've definitely, sorry, just on that note, we've definitely noticed that. And I'm sure you have as well as a supplier. People come to us and they're very, open. we don't know anything, but we don't need to know anything. You're the expert. Here's our business. What should we do? And I think people just, as you say, they they find comfort and slowly start to increase their knowledge and almost, we call it coaching through delivery, where everything we walk people through, we want them to learn something because the more they know, the more we can do for them and with them. So I think, yeah, I think having a resource there, yeah, whether it's an individual, a trainer, as you say, or, or, or some sort of supplier that you have a really strong relationship with, as long as everybody's focused on the goal here, and the goal is not to train you, the goal is to get the company results, naturally you will get trained if that starts to happen. So I think, yeah, there's, a, there's definitely some good uh, good synergy in that. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Any other resources at all or websites? Again, I don't know if you, have you written a book? Is, is there anything people can plug into with you or? Yeah, sorry. It's a, you know, growing up in Austria, you're kind of like humble and you, you shouldn't talk about yourself much. Um, but no, I haven't written a book yet. Don't worry. This is, this is going out in the US and the UK. You say whatever you want, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so I mean, on that note, what we figured out is what people really are interested in is looking into how they can actually manage Google ads in-house if they had an agency take care of that so i recorded like a session for people so you can find that under bit.ly so bit.ly slash about funnel up and that literally gives you a little bit of a blueprint on how you can manage google ads successfully in-house and is probably also of interest for those who are starting off and who haven't done it before cool no i think it's a really good resource and yeah thanks for referencing that last question from me then it's been great having you here today. If people want to hear more about you, want to find out more, connect with you, what's the best way that they can do that? Absolutely. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Pamela Wagner. And we also run a Google Ads Analytics support group on LinkedIn that's called Google Ads slash Analytics Insights and Support. So this is where we've grown a pretty nice community with over 2,000 members so far and post tips and resources kind of use it as an as an exchange platform and then of course you're welcome to check out the website that's ajaladigital.com so a-j-a-l-a digital.com great well thank you so much for joining us today pamela it's been great to have you there are so many learnings in this so for anybody listening at home feel free to go back pause bits listen to bits again it's all publicly available um again if you want to reach out to either of us you know where we are Pamela, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Nick. It was so much fun. And I hope the the listeners are getting out quite some value that, that helps them get started and hopefully grow their business even more. Well, I hope they do. We did just to blow our own trumpet, because again, I'm not Austrian, just to blow our own trumpet quickly. We did have a quick review a few weeks ago from somebody who sent an email in saying, I've just sacked my agency because I'd got more value out of your podcast. <laughs> Which I, I went back and said, Let's, yeah, that's probably not the right approach to go for. I wouldn't recommend sacking agencies. It's better to repair a relationship than just drop it. But um, good to hear that people like the podcast. So thanks for joining us today. As I said earlier, this is episode one of at least four, probably a few more than that. We might even roll them into the new year. I've also got a very, very exciting guest. And I can't tell you who it is yet because we haven't signed the paperwork. 
But just before Christmas, we're going to have an incredibly exciting guest. It's probably going to be the best possible guest we could get for this podcast. So I can't say any more yet, but watch this space. We'll be back next week with uh, my friend Becky. And Becky and I are going to be talking about Google Shopping. So thanks for listening this week. Hope to see you again. We post every Friday. So I hope you stay safe and we'll see you soon. Sign up for free for the Shopify-approved marketing course at 1000salesandbeyond.com and get our show notes at justaskparker.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening to the Winning with Shopify podcast. See you next time.